What kinds of things will you find when you join us at Ohio Linux Fest 2011? Come and see at the Greater Columbus Convention Center on September 9, 10, and 11. And there's professional training all day Friday. Get the scoop at ohiolinux.org. Brady, what are you doing? Did you just erase Windows? Ah, Dad, don't worry. Windows is still there, but I'm installing Linux as well. We can do a booty if we have to. Well, I guess it's okay, but you kids will never learn. You know, Linux might be okay for internet and email, but you certainly can't use it in the ham shack. Boy, that shows how much you know. There are tons of free Linux programs for hands. Everything from logging to rig control, satellite prediction software, APRS, digital mode clients, packet radio, and the list goes on. We can even use it to record the SWR. Really? But I'll bet the programs are hard to find, and you probably have to go to a million different websites and download the code and then compile and build it. I remember I had to do this a long time ago, and then you hope and pray that it doesn't break everything, right? Oh, no, no, no. There are package repositories that contain all of the ready-to-install and run programs and also a package manager that makes finding and installing the software you want quick and easy. I'll bet even you could do it. Hmm. It sounds pretty good. But where'd you hear about all this? Well, Dad, there's this really great podcast called Linux in the Hamshack with Richard, KB5JDV, and Russ, K5TUX. I think it's going to start soon. Come on and let's listen in. Welcome to Linux in the Ham Shack. Linux in the Ham Shack. We're back, y'all. We had some issues. Things things have been uh, 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 unsettled. However, we are back. We are all alive. Everyone has survived, and life is lovely. My name is Richard, KB5JBB. Welcome to our show. I would like to introduce to you the leader of the pack. The Big Kahuna, lover of lobster tacos, Russ, K5TUX. Say hello to everybody, Russ. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX, and we are back. One of these days, we're going to get around to doing an episode where we don't have to apologize for it before we get started. I'm not sure when that will be, but hopefully it'll be soon. Things have been going all right. Most of you, or many of you, may have heard that we had a little bit of an accident. Cheryl decided to... uh, have an incident with a semi-truck last week, but I want to let everybody know that aside from some soreness and some bruising, she's doing all right, and we're getting back to normal here. No need to worry, although all the well wishes and uh, happy thoughts and all those things that have come across have been very, very helpful. So thank you to everybody who provided those. I guess we should probably get moving with the show. I will say that on the side, we have Torsten tonight, K5TOR, who said he's going to be muted, but since he's on the line, he could probably jump in at any point. So if you happen to hear a strange voice that you've never heard before... It's Richard. It, well, that's right. It would be Richard. But the other guy is Torsten. 
Uh, if that you would want, be me. Yes, that would be you. So if, uh, do you want to give yourself a brief introduction before we move on? Well, like you already said, K5TR call sign, name is Torsten, uh, German, living in Mexico. Uh, been here since, uh, when was it? 58, episode 58 on the chat room and decided to jump in. All right. So if you have anything to contribute to the program tonight, feel free to do so. So the three of us are going to get rolling with something. I'm not sure what. We'll let Richard pick the topic, I guess. So go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and everybody that's listening to the sound of my voice, please do not send emails into the show asking if Torsten and Fab are friends. I don't even think Torsten knows Fab, so don't do it. Don't do it. Before we move on, though, I would like to say that a valued member of our Linux and Hamshack team, uh, yes, uh, Cheryl did uh, have a little mishap. We are all very glad that she uh, made it through without any major injuries. Uh, y'all, uh, y'all catch up with her on Facebook or Twitter or, or wherever, and uh, give her you well wishes because uh, we're just happy that she came through uh, semi-scathed. <laughs> so recently, um, Firefox released a new version, Firefox Four. You know, I haven't upgraded to it myself just yet, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. Russ has upgraded to it, and I, we thought we'd talk about it a little bit tonight. And, uh, you know, I've, I've picked up on some of the some of the add-ons that uh, are built into the thing. I use them all the time. I've been using Firefox, or what is it, Mozilla Sync, Firefox Sync, whatever it is for a while. Anyway, I'm going to let Russ talk about Firefox for a few minutes. Go ahead, Russ. I don't know that I actually have a few minutes to talk about Firefox. What I wanted to say about it was that when I upgraded from 3.6. whatever, I was using, well, actually, I think I still have an old copy of it here. I was using, oh, no, this is the new one, 4.01. But I was using like 3.6.6 or 3.6.7 or something like that. And currently, then, in the, currently out of the repositories with the standard upgrades, I'm running 3.6.17. 3.6.17? Yeah. Okay, well, I think I adopted 4.01 before that. So, but what I noticed about 4.01 is that it's exactly the same as 3.6. whatever they're up to right now. However, it has all the speed of the Chrome browser. It is amazingly fast. So I don't know what they stripped out of it, or I don't know what they recoded to make it work better, but I can say that if you are still using 3.6. something, you should definitely upgrade to 4.01 because it is just lightning fast. It actually makes you want to use Firefox again, which is a good thing because I was getting really tired of how slow it used to be. I upgraded to 4.01 about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, only to discover today that on June 15th, which was, what, five days ago, six days ago, that Firefox 5.0 is being released or has been released. So now there's Firefox 5 out there, and I got a pop-up today in my Firefox 4 saying, you need to upgrade to Firefox 5. And I was like, what the hell? I just upgraded to Firefox 4. And not only that, but I also heard from Jay Lindsay, 
who, if uh, you listen to podcasts, you've probably heard that name before, say that the Mozilla development team thinks they're going to be on Firefox 7 by the end of this year. So I'm not sure who lit a fire under the developers' butts, but Mozilla is going to town. And it looks like the things that they are developing are actually going in the right direction because things are moving fast for the development team and they're moving much faster for the software itself. Looks like it's all good news right now for Mozilla and the Firefox project. So what do you think, Richard? Well, I figured that uh, sooner or later they'd get back to it. I remember when, uh, well, uh, I got off of, really 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 bad case of the first internet explorer on netscape and netscape was boom 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 they were constantly sending out updates and upgrades and everything else it was always getting better and better and better all the time and then uh firefox came along and it's like everybody hit the brakes because it's taken a long time for them to get from i think i switched over to firefox in version two it's taken a long time for them to get up to four. So I'm glad to hear it myself because those guys over at Mozilla, they're, they, when they get their teeth into something, they, they really get it going, you know, but uh, all of you, Russ, you know, I'm the I'm the kind of guy that lets stuff trickle down through the, uh, through the update system. So I just really hadn't gone out there and grabbed it. But I probably need to go ahead and grab it and uh, take a look with it and look at it and fly it because, uh, what is it, uh, doggone, CrunchBang Linux, uh, one of the options in it is Chrome, and I used it a little bit on the uh, on that junk laptop of mine, which doesn't have a whole lot of memory, and, and I mean, it ran like a champ. So uh, we'll just have to see how this comes along. The one thing I'm hoping is that the Firefox numbering scheme doesn't turn out like the Star Trek movie scheme, because it seemed like the first Star Trek movie wasn't that good, but it was good enough to get the ball rolling. Then when they went to two, it got really good. Things things got better in a hurry. Then they hit three, and things started off pretty good, but then they started going south. Now they hit four, and four is doing really well, and I haven't tried five. If it follows that pattern, then 5 is going to be a total dog, and we'll have to wait for Firefox 6 before it comes back to itself again. But we'll see what happens. They'll be uh, suffering from the Microsoft syndrome, won't they? Uh, I don't know what syndrome they'll have, but if, if nothing else, don't bother with 5.0 beta yet because it is still beta, but definitely upgrade to 4.01. It is worth your time, guaranteed. Okay, we got a big thumbs up from Russ, on, and Russ thumbs up in something. That just totally unusual. So y'all, y'all go check out. <laughs> y'all go check out Firefox 4.0. I say nice things about stuff all the time. I must have missed it. I okay. must have been asleep. Here, watch, watch me. Uh, watch me bring Torsten into this. On you know, without or uh, watch me bring Torsten. Oh shoot! I I screwed up and he got in there. You, no, see, you gotta you gotta turn your radio down. See, now I feel like a radio announcer. You gotta turn your radio down, caller because you're feeding back to yourself. Me? <laughs> yeah, I can hey. hear my voice in the background. Echo. So, so do you use Firefox? Uh, no, actually, I don't right now. So what are you using? Well, right now I am went back to a Windows system uh, because I need it for work. Okay, well, I'm going to hang up on you now. <laughs> Sorry. No, I've, got a, I've got another machine. I've got a Linux running. 
And there I was using Chrome. The closed source Chrome or the open source Chromium? Uh, the closed source. Why, why are you here? Be nice. Okay. I'm just kidding. But hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Be gentle. It's just first. But you time. know what I'm missing on Firefox? I uh, was missing on Firefox and Chrome and also the other ones. Using the backspace button. The backspace to go back a page? Yep. See, I find that a non-feature. I find that an annoyance. Well, okay. You know how it is. Different opinion, different people. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that your opinion is wrong or anything like that, but the only time I ever get a... The only time that I'm working with a browser and I hit the backspace key, it always does something I don't want it to do. So uh, I'm not a big fan of using the backspace key as a back button. Okay, well, I got used to it and I'm still using it. <laughs> you can probably do that in Mozilla or in Firefox if you wanted to. You could probably alias that key to the back, you know, to back. Yeah, I never went into, into deep into setup. I usually use the software the way it comes. Okay, well, that's one vote. That's, right. that's okay, because we're going to fix that. You're going to be <laughs> sticking your fingers and everything. Don't tell him where he's sticking his fingers, because I don't want to hear about it. As long as we don't got to smell it. Oh, I know <laughs> that's not going to make a cut. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you think about something to talk about so I can shut up for a minute? I'm talking to you, Richard. You, you I talk don't about know nothing something. about none of this stuff you got on this screen right here. Well, you don't have to go by the screen. Think of something else. Well, I've been remiss in listening to the Linux Link Tech Show. Yeah, me too. I've been remiss in listening to a lot of shows. I, I only listen to about two, three hours of podcasts a week right now. And Linux from scratch, I played with it a little bit a few years back, but not so much. And SVX Link, nope. Ain't mess with that yet. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the Linux Link Tech Show. And uh, this is and this thing you got about the secret tomb of John Denver. That that I'm wanting to hear about that. But go ahead, talk about the Linux Link Tech Show. So am I. So do I, because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. It's in there in the notepad. It is. Yes. www. What the uh, hell is this call sign? K9wka.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we caught you. Okay, so where was I? Oh, the Linux Link Tech Show. Well, Thank I didn't. You. Yeah, I didn't really want to talk about the Linux Link Tech Show specifically, but Joel over there, otherwise known as Gorkon, he is Whiskey Three Mike Alpha Zulu, if I remember correctly, and he has been doing a couple of episodes for Hacker Public Radio on Amateur Radio, real beginner type stuff. So remember those episodes we were supposed to produce for Hacker Public Radio? I guess we don't have to because it looks like Joel's doing it for us. Well, good. Tell him to do one on amateur radio and uh, what is it? Linux and amateur radio philosophy. Okay, I'll tell him to do that. That's the one I promised him. Yeah, that's the first thing I'll do after I get off here is tell him to do that. Okie dokie. Um, and they actually did talk about amateur radio um, on Linux Link Tech Show. I think it was episode 4,312 or something like that. So, uh, I, I don't know, just just go over to tilts.org and, and you'll find it. They, they, they um, talked about Joel's sort of renewed interest in amateur radio. They have two amateurs over there, uh, W3MAZ and N3MAW. Did you know that? No, I didn't. That's right. Alan and Joel both are uh, hams, and they both listen to our show. So, 
Thanks for listening, guys, and thanks for contributing to the amateur radio hobby. We all, you're doing a good job. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, hey, they got a damn website. Yeah, they do. They've had one for a long time. And t-shirts. They have t-shirts. And we've we've met with them, or actually, we were sitting right next to them at Self, the Southeast Linux Fest. Do we have t-shirts? Of course we have t-shirts. I thought I said, oh, no, we sent you a hat. Oh, we have hats. And we have t-shirts. And t-shirts. Why don't you order yourself a t-shirt? I'm good because I'm Poe. When Cheryl and I go to these events, we wear our Badger t-shirts and our Linux in the Hamshack t-shirts when we're at the booth. So we, we wear them all the time. That brought something else to mind, but we're, we're busy making jokes about the Linux Link Tech Show. They're liable to shred us. Well, as long as they're talking about us, that's okay. Yeah, there'd be a lot of Badgers on that episode. <laughs> yeah buddy so so what did that bring to mind all jokes aside guys thank you thank you so much we're we're losing a lot of the good amateur radio podcasters and it's nice to know that a show like y'all's is willing to uh, pick up a little of the slack and and actually put forth the worthwhile uh, endeavors such as amateur radio plus the fact amateur radio operators are cheap so Linux is the way to go did you know that Leo Laporte is now doing an amateur radio show? You're kidding. No. Has he got his license? I uh, No, he doesn't. I, I kind of understand he's doing it from the perspective of somebody who's interested in getting his license, and he's using the podcast that he does as a way to educate himself. Okay, I want you all to send all your protest messages and look for the petition over at ka9wka.org. Sign the position to stop Leo Laporte from becoming an amateur radio operator. Yeah, buddy. He'll be bad as that K5 M-E-M, M-A-N character. <laughs> so no, it's K1 M-A-N. Is that right, Ted? K1 M-A-N? So I, the, guess, I guess we're not going to promote his show, right? What, K1 M-A-N? No, Leo Laporte. Don't, no. Callie Lewis. She's way prettier. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I think we need to do? And listening to her talk, she's way smarter. He going to shut us down. Leo Laporte's going to send his gangsters after our ass. But you know what? We're going to go and put our armor on, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Is that what you was talking about? No. What I was talking about is okay, that. Okay, never mind. We're still here. What you got, Russ? <laughs> well, I was looking at a couple of the guests he's had on his show, and uh-huh. one of them is Bob Heil, and we all know who Bob Heil is. Another one is another amateur radio operator, a very famous one, named Joe Walsh. We all know who Joe Walsh is, right? Yeah, I tried to get him to come to the ham club meeting out here when he was at the Crossroads Festival. Right. Well, here's the thing. If Leo Laporte can get these two amateur radio guys to show up in his show, I bet we can, too. So I'm going to try. Well, you got to go through the filters to get it at Joe, but we might be able to get Bob High. Well, I think Bob Heil might not be too difficult. Obviously, he's a well-known man and has a busy schedule, and I'm sure Joe Walsh does as well, but I think it's worth trying. Joe actually records with his uh, with uh, Bob Heil microphones also. That's how he gets that mellow sound. I'd be willing to do five minutes on just bad-mouthing Leo Laporte, only to find out if he would actually respond. <laughs> you think he listens to our little old show? Well, it's he, like a jackass over at, uh, what is it, QSO? 
No, was it Ted Ted Randall? Is that his name? I don't know, but he may not listen, but it may come back around to him. He he invited me to come on his show back when I had a show of my own. I sent him an email. Said, "Well, you know, I'm kind of busy right now, but I'd be I'd love to set that up and come on the show." Never heard back from you, jackass. Well, I just jackass. have I have one question for you. What? How do you really feel, jackass? <laughs> he can take his head and insert it in a farm animal. So, with that, um, so. Let's talk about Linux from scratch, Russ. You want to talk about Linux from scratch? No. Okay. Let's talk about SVX link then. <laughs> no, I'll talk a little bit about Linux from scratch, although I'm going to be doing a sort of an expose on Linux from scratch on the QSK netcast, which I'm going to revive by talking about Linux from scratch. Okie dokie. So I don't want to give all of it away over here. Well, tell them what it is, because most of the people listening to us may not know. Linux from scratch is actually more of a, a tutorial than anything else. It's kind of a project, something that you take on in your spare time. If you're really interested in learning about how Linux works, well, how GNU Linux works, because really Linux is just the kernel bit. So if you want to find out how Linux works, all you have to do is figure out how to build the Linux kernel. But if you want to figure out how GNU Linux works, what you do is you go to linuxfromscratch.org. And what it really is is just a documentation project. It's a big bit of HTML code or downloadable PDF files which tell you how to build a Linux distribution entirely from scratch. And from scratch is not really from scratch because you're not like smashing atoms together to create molecules, building computers out of their component alloys and stuff like that. But you, you know, you get the idea. You basically have to download a bunch of source packages compile them in the right way, put the information in the right order and in the right place on your file system and build everything so that when you're done, you come out with a working computer running GNU Linux. Now, one thing I will say is that if you want to hear all the details about my adventures in Linux from scratch, that you're going to have to tune into the QSK netcast uh, when they come out so you can get all the nitty-gritty details. But the most important thing about the Linux from Scratch project is the documentation. You can actually put the Linux from Scratch distribution together without knowing or learning a single thing about Linux if all you do is cut and paste from their documentation and just do it that way. Because if you do that, they give you all of the commands you're supposed to type that's really not going to help you in any way. So what you really need to do is to read. That's the most important part about Linux from scratch, is reading the documentation, understanding what they're doing when they type all of those cool commands, so that when you get to the end product, you will actually understand what you've done. You know, I would say that if you want to undertake the Linux from scratch project, it's not terribly difficult but it is fairly time-consuming. I would say that in actual man-hours, if you want to get it from start to finish, you will probably take you 36 to 48 actual man-hours 
to do the reading, typing the commands, doing all the building, and coming out with an actual working Linux distribution. So how long 48 hours actually takes you, could be a week, could be a month, could be a year, who knows, but expect to be sitting in front of a computer for about 48 hours. Since I already knew most of what was going on, it took me about 24. So somebody was coming into it without knowing anything at all, or considerably less than I did when I started, can expect to at least double that. But I would say that if you take the time to read the documentation and actually understand what you're doing when you undertake the Linux from scratch project, that it is well worth your time to do so. Uh, you'll come out with it, a lot of knowledge that you didn't have before. And even later on, when you start doing things like installing stuff from packages, you'll really sort of understand what happens underneath. And uh, it will help you out in the future, sort of like learning Latin helps you understand English. Building Linux from scratch will help you understand, you know, the distribution that you normally run. If you have the time, I definitely recommend giving it a shot. If you don't, uh, you're really not going to be missing out on anything. It's not something you have to do. But if you really want a good education, give it a shot. LinuxFromScratch.org. And if you want the nitty-gritty details, listen to my upcoming QSKs. Tell them how they can find the QSK when it fires back up, because it's been a while since we talked about it. Uh, that's at QSKCast.info. QSKCast.info. And there you have it, y'all. And my talk from... go over and actually download it, because I don't know if he's like on iTunes or anything. No, wait a minute. It's it's a, a hate and apple kind of podcast. Yes, it's only an AUG cast. It's only an AUG format. So you have to, you know, have an AUG compatible player in order to listen to it. Just keep that in mind. Oh, and my talk itself on FreeNAS is going to be put up there as soon as it's released. Now, let's see if that gets a badger. If what gets a badger? FreeNAS. FreeNAS? FreeNAS is awesome. Yeah, but if you go dangling your bits like about in public, you get arrested. But it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything I need to know about Linux, Russ. I push the button, and this thing in front of me lights up. Wow. I'm impressed. This is the guy who was saying, Russ, Russ, you'll be so proud of me. I, I, I did this and this and this from the command line sometime back well i'm tired of talking you talk about something what did i what am i gonna talk about i don't know I, i've been talking all night y'all just ain't heard it because you ain't had it you're gonna have to listen to the outtakes no what everybody needs to do is actually listen to the show when we broadcast it because then you hear all the really good stuff the really juicy badger that's right oh another badger <laughs> oh my <laughs> oh my <laughs> No, that wasn't even close. Okay, so... A little practice, you'll have it. No, I'm not going to practice. I don't care. We talked about Firefox. We talked about Linux from scratch. We talked about tilts. We talked about... That's about it. I actually installed a couple of distributions today just to try them out. One, yeah. of, them, one of them was Natty Narwhal. Have you... Oh, Nappy Narwhal. Yes, have you tried Natty Narwhal? Actually, I tried it in the virtual box. And it didn't give me that gay ass cell phone screen. And what it gave, me, what what it gave me was their imitation of the GNOME uh, desktop. 
Yes, it did the same thing for me, but that's because you have to have 3D support enabled in VirtualBox in order for Unity to come up. VirtualBox doesn't like 3D on the machine I got it on. Yeah, it didn't particularly like it on the machine I had, and I have a very fast machine. I have an 8-core, eight 8-gig eight machine that I installed VirtualBox on. I had the proprietary NVIDIA drivers, and I had 3D support enabled. And when I installed Natty Narwhal, our Unity did come up. However, that goofy little uh, screen on the left where all of the, you know, smartphone icons are supposed to show up yeah the the bar was there but it was blank none of the icons actually showed up now i could hover over them and it would say you know this is where you click on to start LibreOffice, and this is where you click to start uh firefox and all that stuff but all of the icons were a wall well see there you go i mean uh i downloaded alpha and i don't remember what machine i put it on but natty narwhal don't don't look nothing like what it did when it was in alpha so i don't know what's going on with it unfortunately i'm still fighting the same problems a couple of versions back ubuntu quit recognizing my cell phone and i have to have my cell phone so uh, show up so that i can uh send pictures to my boss risque pictures Ooh. <laughs> Oh, and oh my, the, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and uh, that and uh, something else. Anyway, so I'm having to run. I'm having to run the long-term support edition until I decide what other Linux version I'm gonna move to. And unfortunately, I have the virtual box that comes in uh, Ubuntu long-term support, so I can't see if these other distros work with my phone because the one that comes in ubuntu doesn't have usb support you can download an extension pack from the oracle website that enables usb support well that was a suggestion i was given along with some other ones i, I can, don't know I can imagine what those other disres- ones are huh? i can imagine what those other ones were I, j- I don't know why people want to disrespect me like that <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about your system. You got this really fast machine that won't run Nappy Narwhal. That's right. Well, it, it would run it, but if if I enabled 3D support, it would bring up the Unity shell, which didn't work properly. And if I disabled 3D support, it would bring up the normal GNOME 2 desktop, which worked just fine, but it's just GNOME 2. So it looked just like every other distribution that runs GNOME. Now, there are a couple of things I will say about Ubuntu that um, are pretty good. The first one was that its installation procedure is very smooth for Natty Narwhal. I will say that from an ease-of-use perspective, it's excellent. And the fact that it will download and install packages in the background while you're filling out the questionnaire is excellent. And the fact that Ubuntu will fall back to the normal GNOME desktop if you don't have proper 3D support for Unity, also very good. But those are about the only things I can say that are good about Ubuntu at this point, and I have completely divested myself of it. Well, I see deeper conspiracies, and I think that maybe that's not actually GNOME 2. I think it is a covert fake-out using 2D Unity. What do you think? Well, considering it lacked all of the things that make Unity Unity, 
like the bar on the left and all that stuff and actually looked a lot like Gnome 2 makes me think it was actually Gnome 2. Okay. But you could be right. You know, I could be wrong. I didn't actually go into the source code and look at it, so I don't know. They're trying to turn Ubuntu into something that it ain't. They're shooting for them cell phone markets and them uh, netbooks and and tablets and other portable devices. Yes, I agree with that. Right, and that's why I don't use Ubuntu anymore, um, among other reasons, most of them political. But, you know, we can't stop talking about it because it's still one of the more popular Linux distributions out there. They're going to end up making me mad, and they don't want me to put my mad face on, especially on there. Uh, The other distribution I tried was Fedora Core 15, or Fedora 15. I guess they dropped the core a while back. Really? Uh, Yeah. Traitor. Well, Fedora 15 I had to try because I listened to a recent episode of the Linux Action Show where they talked about Fedora 15, and they basically bashed it into the ground and smashed it to smithereens which made me immediately want to run out and try it. So I did, and it uses the GNOME 3 desktop environment, which under VirtualBox also doesn't work. However, I will say that the desktop environment that comes up by default in Fedora 15 is very, very slick looking. It's very nice. Oh, very polished. Yes. Fedora's always polished. It is very polished. I didn't have any troubles running it. I had to install some packages in order to build, like, the VirtualBox uh, add-ons. Um, but using Yum was very straightforward, not a big deal. Um, I, I fell back into using the RPM-style package manager very quickly. So uh, Fedora is okay. It's very polished-looking. It's not necessarily super stable, and it's not for everybody, but, you know, uh, if you've got a virtual box environment and a couple of hours to kill, you might want to try it just to see if you like it. Well, the only reason I said traders because that's what you tell me when I say I'm going to go get, a, get it on something. And uh, actually, the one I got on the virtual machine over here is 14, and I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but uh, very polished. And, you know, that's the deal at this point. Most of the stuff that I do with with my computers, for the most part, I want something that doesn't make my head hurt. And that's, you know, they could spend more time on the desktop on Debian. They really could. But, uh, yeah, I've used it a little bit, and I'm sure in self-defense at some point I'm going to have to uh, get my hands on something that's uh, Red Hat-based anyway because that's the direction... uh, the particular radio stuff that I'm interested in, interested in is going blah, blah, blah. Yes, but that's so, what CentOS is for. Well, that, that that's more my thinking, but they're, they're not as polished as they could be. Well, they're also usually a, a revision behind, a major revision behind. Yeah. So. Well, uh, so what else have you been playing with? Uh, as far as new distributions, or at least ones to just kind of play around with and see how they were, uh, Fedora 15 and uh, Natty Narwhal are the only two. Although I guess you can get alphas or pre-alphas or whatever they are now of uh, Oniric Ocelot 11.10. So I may try one of those just to see what that's like. But uh, well, I'll tell you what, one uh, uh, PC Linux OS is very pretty. I've heard that. It is very pretty, and it's man, man. Now, wait a minute. Let me see if I, I butcher it. It's Mandriva based now. 
for those of you who like Mandrake, is Mandrake. Uh, but it's Mandriva based, and uh, it's they've spent a lot of time on the interface. It it looks really good. Well, I'll tell you and, how long I've been in this to this Linux game is that once upon a time I ran Caldera. That was before my time. <laughs> um, I actually picked up a copy of PC Linux OS at Southeast Linux Fest. The PC Linux OS guys were were there to represent, so I picked up a disc. So I'm gonna have to try it out. Well, there you go. Uh, that one, and actually, tell you the truth, I don't know how deep uh, Novell's got the hooks in there because I haven't fooled with it much. But one that was always looked really good, or the desktop was really polished. And the only reason I'm talking this direction, you know, it's all basically the same stuff underneath. Is uh, Susa? Always, I, I, that was the first one I really spent any time with was Susa. And they always had a really good-looking uh, installer and all this other stuff. And once you got in, it looked good. And back then, you were able to uh, adjust the stuff you needed to adjust, like uh, screen width and stuff like that. I mean, I, it's all stuff that's four, five, six years ago, and other stuff's taken care of it. And um, I'm probably going to get spanked with the ruler for even saying it, but... Uh, I did like Sousa, and I got I got a ham radio buddy that uh, that's all he'll run. Well, I have to say, when I started with Sousa, it wasn't open Sousa; it was just Sousa, and I was I tried version five, and I have to say I wasn't real impressed with it back then. But of course, Linux in general wasn't as polished or nearly as polished as it is now. The last time I tried Sousa was open Sousa eleven, I think it was. And that was much, much better. But I had still a bad taste in my mouth from the original version of SUSE that I tried, so I didn't stick with it. Plus, once I got away from the RPM-based distributions a while back, I never really got back to them. That That's where I am now, still on Debian-based. I mean, that's true. It doesn't stop me from downloading one, putting it on Ubuntu. But... <laughs> because <laughs> our guy manager will actually install rpm packages now i sure am going to hate uh losing ubuntu because i've spent a lot of time with it i've been around since dapper drake just go to linux mint you'll be all happy again yeah but mint uh, not doing the trick for me either it won't it won't see my phone either i don't know if the debian version will but i know the the regular linux mint won't because i loaded it up to see if it would and it didn't happen for me well we may have to talk about that offline but i think that's enough about distribution talk i do have a little bit to bring up about svx link which has been a talk of, topic of discussion on our show for the past couple of episodes so we probably need to wind up with that take a little break here and then we can call it good okie doke <laughs>
all right, and okay, we're back, y'all. But you know, we've just about had as much as we can stand because this stuff going on there in the breaks that y'all are missing that we just can't. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. If Russ does put most of it out, it's going to have badger all over it. It's going to smell like badger. It's going to look like badger. Whatever you do, don't get none on you. No badger. No badger on you. Russ, I I think you you keep saying we want to do a short episode, and I think you're right because it's about my bedtime. I'm getting silly, and and we probably need to get on out of here and try and uh, uh, – hell, I don't know. However, we have content coming, y'all. Russ has been traveling the country. Man in the globe, looking for the best Linux and amateur radio stories at at, at festival after festival after uh, swap meet after uh, greasy t-shirt. Well, let me so say you, this. For, so, what do you think, Russ? <laughs> well, I, I will say this for those of you who have lasted this long: that in the next episode, we will actually address listener feedback, and I am going to talk for real about SVX Link, the Linux alternative to running Echo Link on your computer. Hopefully, we're going to have an interview with a very special guest about the Codec 2 project that we talked about in a couple episodes back, I think it was. And I am going to be trying a couple of more different source code-based Linux projects for doing things in amateur radio. Of course, I'm going to have those QSK netcasts about Linux from scratch, and we are going to have real, honest amateur radio and linux content coming up real soon so what russ is trying to say is next time we'll have y'all a real damn show that's right we're going to have a real damn show and we're not going to talk about pms or bfs or anything else and we're not even going to talk about that donkey show and did we did we chase torsten off are you still here i'm still here all right we didn't chase him off giggling in the background don't you keep it don't you hear him well, we hear him, but everybody else doesn't because it's during the breaks. So before we before we check out for for the final time on episode number sixty one, uh, do you have anything you want to contribute, Torsten? Ask a question, bring up a topic, anything like that that we need to talk about, should talk about. Um, what which, which software was it? I think it was uh, one thing quickly. CQR log on sixty four bit machine. Okay, that would be a good topic once. Um, have you attempted to install CQR log on a 64-bit machine and had trouble with it? Yep, because it needs was it CQR log? Or, there was one hand software and it needs the uh, 32-bit libraries, not the 64-bit libraries. Okay. I think it was CQR log. Are you not familiar with uh, the packages for uh, the Debian packages at least for 32-bit libraries, or did you try that? Uh, nope, I didn't. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe we can answer this question real quick then, uh, because there's a there's a meta package called IA32-libs, or libs, mm-hmm. however you want to pronounce it. Uh, it's in most of the Debian-based repositories, and it will fix most of the issues where a certain piece of software is trying to request access to 32-bit shared libraries. So if you do an apt-get, space install space ia32-libs libs uh that mm-hmm. that may in fact uh help you know get that piece of software to work and there are some additional packages that that's a meta package and it will install in it will install several 
um, 32-bit libraries on your system. But if you go into Aptitude and you do a search for IA32, um, you will find some additional ones. And I don't know which of those CQR log may or may not require, but you could go ahead and install all of them because, I mean, all it does is provide 32-bit compatibility on your 64-bit machine and see if, in fact, CQR log will run once you have those installed. Okay, I'll give it a try. Uh, yeah, but start. go ahead and start with IA32-Libs. I mean, that will install most <laughs> of them. And, of course, there are some more esoteric 32-bit libraries that you may need, but that should definitely help you out. Okay. So well, maybe, maybe that will help someone else out as well. We never know. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and I may try and I, – I had CQR log running when I was at Southeast Linux Fest and actually at Hamvention as well. I had CQR log running – on a 32-bit laptop, so I didn't have any particular issues with it. I didn't try it on a 64-bit machine, uh, so I didn't uh, come across that. But I am using a 64-bit machine now, so I will try it myself and see what, what happens. And uh, if I find out something more specific, I'll email you and I'll uh, I'll put it up on the website in the show notes so everybody will, uh, will be able to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. That would be great. I mean, like I said, I tried it, and well, thirty-two bit. I was, I read the web page, and they said, well, only thirty-two bit uh, libraries works, not the sixty-four bit. Right. Uh, but I didn't read uh, on. You know how it is. Well, I mean, when they say thirty-two bit compatibility, you know, you have to kind of believe that that's where they're at. But that's what the meta package IA thirty-two libs is all about. It's for running thirty-two bit apps on a sixty-four bit system. So, mm. you know, that that's what it's designed for. I know that when I was at Southeast Linux Fest and when we were at uh, Hamvention, that CQR log got a lot of, sorry, CQR log got a lot of praise from the people who saw it, saying that it was one of the better Linux-based applications they'd seen uh, for for uh, logging and pretty much anything else, really. Uh, they, they said it looked uh, very nice and very usable. So yeah. Well, see, I need a logging program here because Mexico need uh, is required by law that you have a logbook. Right. So, yeah, I still need to log every contact on uh, on ham radio. See, I, I still log every contact, even though Richard and I had this discussion a few episodes back where I said, well, when did they stop requiring actual logging? Because I made some comment about, well, what if you're driving down the road and you make an HF contact you know, while you're mobile, how are you supposed to log your contact? And he said, well, you know, the FCC basically said back in 19, I don't know, 88 or something that you didn't have to do that anymore. And I was like, really? Because I thought you still did. It was about the time I got licensed that they quit requiring it. Well, it's yeah. a good idea to keep a log whether they whether you're required to or not. Right. And well, I still do. Okay, sorry. Uh, here they say uh, if you're mob working mobile or portable, uh, a rough estimate is enough. Yeah, and I understand that. You have to kind of make some kind of allowances because, you don't, you know, everybody's like, well, you're not supposed to be texting or calling or doing any of these things or, or even eating while you're behind the wheel. Well, surely you don't want to be trying to log a contact while you're going down the interstate. <laughs> Or whatever, so I so I understand that, but I I just sort of had it grilled, you know, drilled into my head from the very beginning that if you make contact, even if it's a two meter contact via a repeater or whatever, that you should log it. So I, I've sort of been in that mentality and and doing that. Yeah. Last thing, if you ever do a show for international operating operating reciprocal, you can call me at any time. 
Please refer to the ICQ podcast. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> well, I was just saying, if you ever think about it, uh, I'll be available. I'm pretty, me, meanwhile, I'm pretty experienced on that one. Colin, Martin, if y'all are listening, we love you guys. We're, we're not mad. We're, we're, we're not bad people. We think y'all are wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that's one thing we haven't talked about. Have you talked about it on Resonant Frequency about um, reciprocal operating? Uh, reciprocal. Uh, brr, let me try that again. Reciprocal operating agreements. No, I'm just busy trying not to get, get trying to get people to not blow themselves up across <laughs> the back of an amplifier with their forearm, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, is the podcast of the preferred podcast of Forrest Gump. <laughs> all right so that was actually a really good way to wind up uh too bad we too bad i didn't ask you that sort of towards the beginning but uh anything else you want to ask us about where we can actually put real content into the show <laughs> nope uh nothing else i was just uh, thinking quickly the uh remember that repository you talked about two shows or three shows ago where the uh internet went haywire um, well, I remember saying there was a routing loop, yes. Yes, that was that one. We could actually try that one again. Oh, the thing about open hatch? Yeah, we probably do need to address open hatch again. So that's about it for me. Okay, well, since Torsten actually knows how to run a podcast, we'll let him uh, do the show next time. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess that's it for me, so let's uh, let's wind it up, Richard. Well, I was just going to say, if they want to get in touch with me, they can contact me at hate mail at ka9wk at no, kb5jbv at gmail.com, kb5jbv at gmail.com. Isn't it funny how his, how his speech clears up when we go to throw in the email address? Or you can follow me on the usual suspects, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm also kb5jbv there. So... Russ, tell them how they can get a hold of you. Okay. My name is Russ. I'm K5TUX. And if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you already knew that. But you can email me at K5TUX at LHSpodcast.info. You can send an email to info at LHSpodcast.info, and that will go to both Richard and I, and we will um, belittle you equally. You can also C. call, I'm sorry. C. C. Una, un cerveza, por favor. No, una cerveza, por favor. Un cerveza, por favor. Un cerveza, it is masculine. Okay. Um, where was I? My cerveza. <laughs> Give me a corona, damn it. Anyway, 417-200-4811 is the phone number you can call to leave us a voice message. Make sure to select the correct option for Linux in the Hamshack. Visit us at lhspodcast.info. Leave us a message on the website. You can comment on our posts. You can submit articles for publication. You can even provide us with a little audio clip, and we will put it on the show. Any kind of contribution we get from our listeners is welcome. I think that's about it for me here, and I think that's about it from Richard down in Ball Springs, and I think that's it from Torsten, who is uh, somewhere a little bit west of Monterey in Mexico. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again to Episode 61 of Linux in the Hand Shack, and we will be back in a couple of weeks 
with some real content. And I'm going to send it back to, well, first of all, I'm going to thank Torsten for being here tonight. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. And I guess I'm going to send it down to the Dallas, Texas area where Richard is going to close up the show by saying, please join us next time for speaking Spanish for rednecks that have no clue. Have a great, have a great week, two weeks. We'll see y'all next time. Fogger out.